So we got three weeks to do our Christmas series. We got this week, next week, and the following weekend, and then it will culminate at our Christmas Eve series, or I'm sorry, Christmas Eve service. And this year, we're gonna do a uh, uh, kind of a breakdown this whole story, make it really, really um, kind of simple and applicable, but the series is gonna be called One for All. Any Three Musketeer fans growing up? Uh, all for one and one for all. So the idea of this is, is we're gonna kind of break this into three separate weeks, and I'll tell you where we're going right away, is this idea that one baby became one man who lived one life, died one death, and became one resurrection for all people of all time. And there's a whole bunch of remarkable things about that statement, so much that we could never cover it all in one idea. So we're gonna talk about one baby who became a man, who lived a life, who died a death, and rose again from the grave. And then we're gonna ask the most important question, so what? By the way, anytime you ever hear a message in church, that's the most important question you could ask, so what? What does this have to do with me here and now? So we're going to do that. But first, we're gonna have a little bit of fun. I actually would like everybody here who has a device or a phone, get it out. We're gonna do a little bit of crowd participation. If you are online, you will not be able to do this on the phone, but I would love for you to type in your answers. We love online church, right? Church, we love our online uh, campus, yes. So um, what I'm finding is, uh, that many of us don't know quite as much about the Christmas story as we think, at least the Christmas story according to the Bible. So we're gonna have a little fun and find out how much of the Christmas story do you really know? I have six questions. All you have to do is point your phone to that QR code, touch the button, and it's going to come up. And here's, the, here's what I'm gonna tell you. According to the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus that is recorded in the Bible, all of these questions and answers are going to be covered about what do you see and find and know in the Bible. And so we're gonna do this first real quick. And as soon as you uh, touch the answer, you just press submit and it's gonna give us live results. And so we'll go ahead and start this, kick it off with the first question. According to the Bible, what did Joseph do when he discovered Mary was pregnant? You have four options. Your four options are keep it a secret, quietly divorce her, send her back to her parents, or worship the Lord. What did he wanna do? What do we, okay, so there's our live results. You can type in your answers online. Again, according to the Bible, which by the way, if you've never heard this story according to the Bible, we're gonna teach it to you, so you're in great company. So we have 27 said 20, keep it a secret. Half the people say divorce, send her back to her parents, and worship the Lord. The correct answer is he wanted to quietly divorce her. He didn't want to have anything to do with a girl who got pregnant and he hadn't gotten down with, if you know what I mean. That's just what the Bible says. It's, it's literally what it's, well, it's an interpretation of literally what it says. All right, let's go to number two. Uh, again, if you know the story, number two is for the journey to Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, how did they get there? Four options. They walked, number one. Uh, Joseph walked, Mary rode on a donkey, number two. Number three, they rode camels or uh, D or four, who knows? What's the answer? How, how did they get to Bethlehem? It looks like we're doing pretty good on this one. Uh, if you don't have a guess, you might just wanna like, you know, you might be going down with the ship, but you ain't going down alone. Like you can kind of see where the trends are going. <laughs> Online, you can pick one. <coughs> Excuse me. So according to the Bible, for the journey to Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, we have no idea. The answer is, who knows? Uh, one person and 1% got it right. The Bible does not say anywhere whatsoever. Some of you are so offended. Some of y'all are pastor's kids. Some of you are board members. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. The Bible does not say how they got to Bethlehem. It only says that they got to Bethlehem. Don't worry, you're gonna be more angry and more disappointed as we go on. <laughs> Number three, when they got to Bethlehem, what did, the innkeeper, what did the innkeeper say to Mary and Joseph? Did he say, number one, I have a stable out back? Did he say, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas? 
Did he say there's no room in the inn or did he say none of the above? What did the innkeeper say? Uh, I'm gonna give you a few more seconds again. Uh, we got oh, 10% going, I have a stable out back. Some of you are like, well, a stable's technically a manger. I know what you're thinking. Uh, the answer is none of the above. Uh, the innkeeper is in fact not even recorded in the Bible anywhere whatsoever. Uh, I know some of you, <laughs> I have your attention now. It's not good attention, but I have it. All right, number four. Who, who saw the star over Bethlehem? Was it Mary and Joseph? Was it shepherds? Was it three kings? Or was it none of the above? We got shepherds. We got three kings. Um, nobody going with Mary and Joseph. Uh, shepherds, three kings. Give you another second. Submit, submit, submit. Um, who saw the star over Bethlehem? It's actually none of the above. According to the Bible, you heathens, three kings are never mentioned in the Bible, only in songs. Well, don't worry, don't worry. Part of my message is I'm gonna show you what the right answer is. So if you stay with me, I'll make you unmad in a minute. Two more questions. How many wise men were there? Okay, this one should be an easy one. Uh, how many wise men were there? Was it two, was it three, was it four? Or we don't know. Uh, <laughs> some of you are just hanging out down here to be safe for that. <laughs> You're like, I know this trend. So nobody's saying two, somebody's saying four, half of you are saying three, half of you saying we don't know. The we don't knows have it. We do not know how many wise men there were. Not only does the Bible not mention any kings, it does not mention how many people there were. It only mentions the types of gifts they brought. And there were three different types of gifts. But again, I'm sure you already knew this because you read the Bible story and you know it so well, because um, we're not those Christians who call ourselves Christians, but don't read the Bible. Uh, then number six, last one. I love it. This is so fun. I could just do this all night. By the way, I had to narrow it from like 75 questions to six, so you're welcome. When the wise men brought their gifts to Jesus, they found him in a manger, a house, an inn, or who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows, right? Uh, so where, where, when they found Jesus, where was he at? Nobody's saying an inn. Um, the correct answer here is not a manger, and it is not, who knows, it was actually a house. According to the Bible, Jesus was two years old when the wise men found him. He was hanging out. He was not a baby. He was not at the, so all of the manger scenes and all, all you go home and burn it all. That's what, that's what I just, that's what you just heard me say. Leave notes at all the churches on their doors. Burn it to the ground. So it's apparent to me that this series is coming at just the right time because some of us would, would use a refresher in the Christmas story. And so why, why do we have this? Why is it that we got these wrong? We were so sure. I mean, some of you are looking at me like you really do want to do harm to me and my family. Um, I'm, again, I'll say the same thing I say every week. I just report on the, the story. I did not write this. Um, why? Why do, we, why, do we have, why do we think it's three kings and why were they all there? Because we have been shaped way more than we know by our culture. We've been shaped by Christmas movies. We've been shaped by nativity scenes. We've been shaped by um, some Jewish rituals, some pagan rituals, some Christian rituals, some Roman Catholic rituals that go back about 1700 years. Uh, we have now these nativity scenes and we got these fun songs. And listen, I'm not, there's, I'm not demonizing any of it. I'm not, the last thing this is about is like, we're all wrong, throw it all away, burn it. No, 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 we're not doing that. All I'm saying is we have, it's a perfect example is that we have to be careful in our lives. Are we, is this really what the word of God says? 
Or is this just the story as I've come to understand it? Because as you read the story, it's a really, really fascinating story. But if we're not careful, we'll listen to the plays, we'll listen to the movies, we'll listen to the songs, and it just really becomes really easy to make the Christmas story and it make even God become who we want him to be. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them. And of course, my red hot smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone cold fox. Mm. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, we... um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. <sighs> Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing... He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with, like, an angel band. And I'm in the front row, and I'm hammered drunk. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight-pound, six-ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant and so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season, also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace, I just want to say that Powerade is delicious mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. Some of you feel a whole lot better about your prayer times now. See, so you're welcome. I, lo I love everything about that. It's so funny. Some of you don't know what to think about the fact that we just showed that in church, but it's the perfect example of why we don't know what happened at the Christmas story. Because what we have, if we're not careful, is we have all these ideas and we have a world that's saying, well, you should just make Jesus be whoever you want him to be for you. You should, God, I don't think God's like, I like to picture my Jesus. I like to have my Jesus. And while, while God is a lot of things, we have to be really careful. And so for me, it's, I'm passionate about like, what does the word say? What's the actual story? And I use some fun details because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if they were three kings or three wise men, or if there were 12 of them, but they all gave like four gifts each. What really matters is what happened is that Jesus came and he was born. So I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but that's how we get to 
these nativity scenes and we got the three kings and, and then, I, and then I, show, I show you the, what the Bible says ahead of time and you look like you want to stone me to death. And so all that to do is just ask the question and start this idea about, well, I wanna focus on one baby, one baby. How big of a deal is it that this baby was born? Because I don't know if you noticed, but billions of babies have been born over the last, oh, 6,000 years of human history or so. Lots of babies in lots of different parts of the world with lots of different stories, yet none have ever quite made the press like this one. Now, any of you who have ever had children, it is, uh, the Bible calls children a gift from God. And if you have ever had a child, when you have a baby, it is a big deal to you. Now, some of us want it to be a big deal to everybody else, but it is a big deal to you. And it should be, you, life is here and it's a big deal. And, and, and those who are close to you celebrate and you throw parties and you buy gifts and it's like, oh, we got a baby, there's new life. And some people were planning on babies and some people weren't. Some people tried to have them and couldn't. There's all kinds of stories around all kinds of babies. I, I'm one of those babies. I was never supposed to be born. My mom could physically not ever have children. Impossible. Except one time somebody prayed for her and God did a miracle in her body and she found out she was six months pregnant with me like nine months later when she gave her life to Jesus. That's my story. So when my dad tells a story, like I watched my doctor and my wife get in an argument and the, like, I'm pre you're pregnant. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. No. Like, she's like, I can't be. So every baby story is a big one. But here's the deal. We really only celebrate one baby in the world. There's never, what is it? So if, if babies are a big deal to them, but you know how we all have those people who, you know, we know they want, we want, they want their baby to be the biggest deal to us too. And we're like, I'm sure you're excited. and I'm happy for you, but I don't even know you. But like, congratulations, right? So what's the big deal with this one? Because if you think about it, we actually have made it a custom to celebrate uh, impactful people throughout history, right? In all, all types of cultures. We, we celebrate Martin Luther King. We celebrate Mother Teresa. We celebrate Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. I mean, in other parts of the world, Gandhi is celebrated. Buddha is gone, uh, uh, celebrated. St. Augustine, Martin Luther, right? But what's fascinating is if you look at almost every person who's been celebrated in any culture in history, we celebrate their life, we celebrate their essence, we celebrate their accomplishments, their achievements, even their inspiration. But I would, I would dare to challenge you to find any of them that we actually celebrate the day they were born. Because Jesus' greatest accomplishments actually come in April. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's Easter. But we make a big deal about his birth. And so in fact, uh, I think that some of us would do well, maybe you've never heard the story, to really go, what is this story actually mean to me? And some of us, maybe if we grew up doing the Christmas, Christmas Eve thing, whether it was Catholic or Pentecostal or, or anywhere else on the spectrum going, man, like rather than just tell the story, yeah, yeah, I know the story, the three kings and the wise men and they sang and ate dragnog. No, no, no. Like what's the story? And, and maybe, maybe if we look into it this year, maybe this year God wants to maybe recapture a little bit of our awe and wonder and what he did, not just then, but what he wants to do in us here and now. Because in the last two millennia, the world has not stopped to really celebrate the birth of one baby. So what I wanna do is take a little bit of time and I just wanna go through a few scriptures, the highlights, and what I've done, by the way, I've, I've actually taken the Christmas story, which is found in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, and I kinda of put it in chronological order. And if you go on the notes, you can actually see I put all of it. We don't have time to do all of it today, but your um, gift to me and assignment from me this week is to go and make that your reading plan this week. Go read the actual Christmas story, kind of in the order that things happen. And so we're gonna highlight some of it, but I don't have time to go through all of it. We're gonna post it on social media Sunday afternoon after all the services. And also if you go on our app or website, the weekly guide with the notes, at the bottom of my notes, I literally just have it there for you. And it's kind of the events in order that you can know the Christmas story and answer the question like, so what? 
what does this have to do with me? And so this story is crazy because while we in our culture and our time, and we laughed about it and that was not meant to make anybody feel bad, don't know the story. They absolutely knew the story then and there. Everybody had known for hundreds of years, something was coming. There had been prophet after prophet after prophet saying, in fact, they knew the story went all the way back to the very beginning of Genesis. And we're gonna get there today that there's gonna be a baby. God's gonna do something and he's gonna redeem this broken place. He's going to actually come and be with us. And there were very specific prophecies. There were specific things that had to happen and I wanna give those away, I will show you in a minute, but, but specifically, and the, the birth of Jesus checked them all. And so all of a sudden, you don't just have the Jews paying attention, but the Romans are paying attention. You got astro the Magi, the wise men, by the way, were just astrologers, uh, like kind of magicians from another country, another culture, probably another religion. They knew about it, why? Because history had been pointing to this one baby's birth. And it just so happens, it caught even the mom off guard. And so we pick up our reading at the beginning of the story where you have, this, you have this teenage Jewish girl named Mary. She's a virgin. She's engaged to this man named Joseph. Um, and back then they had very strict rituals. They, they really took God at his word. So they, they didn't do the deed till after marriage. And so they were betrothed, they were engaged and she's a, a teenage girl. And one day, and we start our story here in Luke chapter one, verse 30. One day she's minding her own business and an angel of the Lord shows up to her and it says this, that the angel of the Lord said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. That's a great place to start because if an angel showed up in my bedroom or while I was driving, I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> so like, I would kind of need the calm down talk myself. He says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Now here's a couple things that, that Mary knew. Mary knew her lineage. She knew where she came from and that mattered because there were prophecies about which family Jesus would ultimately come from. She knew the time in which she lived. And so it says, you have found favor with God. Go on, let's just keep reading. We're gonna just go, it says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And by the way, don't just pick a name for him. We want you to call him Jesus. In fact, his translation is, is Yeshua, which is Joshua, which means the Lord will save. Uh, verse 32 said, the angels given instructions that he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. She's like, oh, that's like my ancestor. It says, and he will reign over Jacob's, that's David's grand ancestor. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. Let's just stop. Imagine if an angel, so if you're a lady in here, imagine if an angel showed up and told you this. You haven't been with anybody. You're gonna have a great, per oh, by the way, you're gonna have the son of God. He's gonna reign forever. He's gonna be the best ever. Like, could you just imagine, and then imagine being about 15 is what we think Mary was at this time. This is what the angel says. We got two more verses. Here's the story. He said, and then Mary, Mary obvious question. Um, excuse me. How will this be since I am a virgin? Everything I've been told is something has to happen first. And that thing that has to happen hasn't happened yet. I hear it's going to be amazing, but I don't know yet. That's my, that's my commentary. I keep waiting for one of these publishing companies to ask me to do a commentary and no one's asked yet. The Bible that makes sense to plain people. That would be me. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. This is crazy. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Basically what she's saying is, God is gonna impregnate you. You are going to have a virgin birth and you will be the mom of God himself. And so Mary's like, you gotta be kidding. So we see the story pick up where Mary is, is engaged to Joseph and now all of a sudden angel's like, I know you haven't like been with him, but you're gonna have the son of God. Now, if you're Mary, imagine all the things that are going through your head and your mind. You're like, I'm gonna have a baby. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a baby. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a baby. 
how am I ever gonna tell Joseph? Right? Like, we gotta put ourselves in the story. Like, okay, so what, Joseph's. Okay, so Joseph. So, good news, bad news situation. Um, good news, I'm pregnant. Bad news, you're not the father. Good news, I haven't been with anybody else. Also, good news, God's the dad. Like, how is that gonna work? Like, there's no way, right? Because this has happened one time in history ever. So God being the good God that he is, it never wants to leave people confused and going like, whoa, what's God up to? Well, what else do you, what else do you think he's like, hey, one of you angels, Joseph's gonna have a real hard time with this. So we're gonna need you to go down and talk dad through this one a little bit. So let's go into part two, the angels in Matthew. So, so the first scripture I read you was in Luke. Uh, this is in Matthew chapter one, again, going kind of linear. Matthew chapter one, this is how the Bible records it. This is how the birth of Jesus to Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Again, remember two authors kind of writing to two different, to different audiences, giving different details. But before they came together, that means had sex, uh, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now we have some consistency. Okay, verse 19, it says, because Joseph, her husband, and actually should, that's a bad translation, should say fiance, uh, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, told you I didn't make it up. He wanted to make it go away quietly. But after he had considered this, right? Like, hey, I'm pregnant. And it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, also of the lineage of David, interesting matters. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 uh, says, so she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. He will save the people from their sins. He's not gonna become a great Caesar. He's not gonna sit on a throne. He's not gonna change the government. He's not gonna start a new economy. He's not even gonna make life necessarily much easier, but he's gonna give you a way out of the worst stuff you've ever done. He's gonna take all that shame, all that guilt, all that regret, all that remorse that you have, all the stuff that you hate yourself about, he's gonna take that on him and he's gonna make it a way for you to receive a free gift where if you receive him into your life, he stands in your judgment, he stands in your place, and you get to now be called a son or a daughter of the Most High. That's what he's gonna do. He's gonna remove their sins, and this is still the biggest deal ever. And so, as it would happen, they're about ready to, they're, uh, Mary's pregnant, but in those days, there was a census. Uh, Caesar wanted to know how big his, his territory was, so everybody had to go back to their home city where their family came from, uh, which just happened to be the city called Bethlehem. And so let's jump into Luke 2, again, kind of going linear through the story. We're asked, we're talking about one baby. What happened here? So Luke 2 picks up, says, in those days, Caesar Augustus, we know that name, um, which by the way, if you wanna know the history and the culture of all this, last year we did a three-week series called We Three Kings. I spent an entire week on Caesar, an entire week on Herod, and an entire week on Jesus. It might be, you might really enjoy going back and watching or re-watching that. It's on our app and our website. Uh, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. How big is my kingdom? And so uh, it says, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Verse three uh, says, and everyone went to their own town or their family town to register. So Joseph also went up from Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. She was pregnant, but we don't know if they rode camels or donkeys, it doesn't say. I'm just saying. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth, 
placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available. Again, no innkeeper even mentioned. See? This is the birth of Jesus. In the most humble, backwards way possible, God who created this whole thing could have had him be born a Roman, could have had him be born an American now, could have had him be born an Egyptian 1,500 years before, could have had him be the son of Caesar or Pharaoh or, or, or a great warrior, but instead it was a nobody woman in an oppressed people group in a tiny little corner of the world where almost nobody who was anybody took notice at the time. Yet it was the most important birthday. It was the most important birth of all time. And by the way, they wanted to make sure that people knew about it. And so not only was Jesus born, so here you have your, they're in this little stable, they're in this manger. You see that he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And now the angels get to show up again and be like, we got to tell some folk, God is here. The thing we've been waiting 4,000 years from human history, 2,500 years from the promise of Abraham, it's happened. And so in Luke 2, a couple of verses later, it says, but the angels, they show up to these shepherds. By the way, shepherds were uneducated, smelly, lowly, kind of second-class citizens. These are not the people you would announce things to. It's ironic that Jesus' birth was announced to shepherds who were very second-class, and then his resurrection, it was the, the testimony of a woman who wasn't even, was property in those days, and her opinion wouldn't have even held up in court. Yet Jesus gave the lowly and the humble humble and, the, and the, those who would not be chosen the first word on his death and his resurrection because Jesus didn't just come for those who think they deserve him. He came for those who feel like they most don't. And maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you feel like I would be the shepherd. I would be, I don't count. Well, guess what? My sense, my story, this story, the Bible story tells me that he might just show up at your place first. He might actually trust your humility and he might trust your rawness, your authenticity and go, I didn't come for the best of the best. I came for the all of all. Because one baby came to live one life, die for one death, and resurrect one time for all of humanity and all mankind. So the angels show up. These shepherds are just taking care of sheep. If you've ever been around sheep, it's not like epic. It's not awesome. <laughs> but all of a sudden, something epic and awesome happens. It says an, a bunch of angels showed up, a heavenly host. In fact, Luke 2 says uh, they show up, this heavenly host, and it says the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for the Jews. For the Romans, for men, for black people, for old people. No, I bring you good news for all people. I didn't just come for one corner of the world, one specific demographic, those who you would call us, not those who you wouldn't call them. I came all great joy for all the people. The angel goes on in verse 11. It says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the one who is to come, the savior, Christ, the Lord. And this is how you'll know it's him. This is what you're looking for. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. So if you go get rid of and fix theologically your nativity scene, leave the shepherds, they belong. Just put the nativity like in the kitchen and put the wise men in like the living room because they got like a long journey, okay? Like you don't got to get rid of them. You just got to distance them a little bit because you paid good money for that. And there's a lot of them and you had to pick the right one. So there, there's the scripture. That's all I have time for the scripture. I really encourage you to kind of slowly go through and maybe read it every day this week as in preparation, preparing your heart for, for celebrating Christmas, preparing your heart for the message we have next week about one life. But let me just give you kind of the highlights of what happens next. Well, after this all kind of goes down, they're like, man, we knew this was Jesus. We knew he was coming. Well, the wise men, 
um, they left, and then all of a sudden, uh, I'm sorry, the shepherds left, and these wise men, these astrologers, these magis from the east, they were like, a, they saw this star, and so they show up to Herod. Now, Herod was known as the king of the Jews in those days. And they show up to Herod, and they go, hey, where's the one who was born king of the Jews? Could you imagine being like the self-proclaimed king of the Jews? And somebody's like, hey, so where's the real king of the Jews? It says, the Bible says, it says, actually, Herod and all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard this news. So Herod tells the wise men, go find Jesus, and I want to worship him too. Well, that's not really what happened. The wise men, they found him. They, it says later on in 2.11, Matthew 2.11, says he was found in a house. Matthew 2.11 says he was found in a house. Matthew 2.11, house. <laughs> they find him in a house, and they worship him, and they bow down. Even these guys knew this baby was a big deal. This wasn't what, like a, a Facebook ploy. It was the real deal. And they worshiped him. And then Herod decided he was gonna kill all the babies. But because the uh, uh, angel showed up in the dream of these wise men, an angel of the Lord showed up, an angel of the dream of the wise men who weren't serving or following God, most likely. How's that for some theology? He says, hey, don't go back to Herod, go another way. So they go another way. Herod realizes what happened and he gets furious. And he's like, well, if there really is a king of the Jews, then we gotta do something about it. And he did, issues a decree that all babies two and under that are boys need to be wiped out and killed. That's why we think Jesus was about a year and a half to two years old. Genocide happens, why? Because something got into Herod where even though he thought he was the king of the Jews, some other dude said, there's somebody greater than you that was born. And Herod was just scared enough and probably knew just enough of the truth to go, oh, I've heard, the, I've heard about the prophets of, of, of Micah and I've heard about Hosea and I've heard about Isaiah and I, 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 know the, I know the Jewish tradition, I'm their king. And so he starts to wipe out all the babies. It says there's great weeping and wailing and mourning in all of, Egypt, in all of Jerusalem and in, in Judea, and which was also prophesied actually by the prophets. Well, in the same exact time, the angel shows up to Joseph again. And he's like, hey, listen, Herod's trying to take out Jesus, but we got this. So I need you to go to Egypt. And so Jesus spent a better portion of his young life in Egypt. And the Bible tells us that Jesus grew up in Egypt until that Herod died. And then they came back and he grew up in a town called Nazareth. And so why was this such a big deal? Because the whole world then knew the story. I wanna show you why some of these details matter. In Isaiah, uh, this is about five, five or 600 years before this, Isaiah said, here's gonna be a sign. He said, when the real Messiah, when the real king of the Jews, when the real savior, not an economist, not a politician, not, not a military power, but when the real savior comes, here's how you're gonna know. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. That was written 600 some years ahead of time. Hosea, a different prophet at a different time, said this, when Israel is a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. That was a prophet, a prophecy that he would actually grow up in Egypt. Micah, another prophet, uh, had a prophecy that he would actually come out of Bethlehem. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, through, though you are small in the clans of Judah, out of you will come one who will be the ruler of Israel for whose origins are of old from ancient of times. See, in fact, God knew there was a problem from the very beginning when he put people in the, when he put us in the garden, the garden of Eden. He said, I'm going to give you free will. If you trust me, everything will go perfect. I'm going to define good and evil for you, but it only took a couple of chapters and we decided we didn't need God. We were good on our own. And that's what Adam and, Adam and Eve did. And, is, and the minute that sin entered the, that minute sin entered the world, it broke our, our, our relationship with God. It, it separated, it severed something. But even in that moment was the first prophecy and the first pr prediction that something was gonna happen. And it wasn't from a prophet, it wasn't from an angel, it was from God himself because he looked the, the serpent square in the eyes. And this is what he says in Genesis chapter three, verse 15. This is where the problem began. He says, now that you have tricked them, we have a problem, we have a sin issue, but don't worry. This might be your little playground, but I'm gonna have the last word. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This was not a prediction that snakes would bite us in the feet if we stepped on him. 
This was God saying, I'm gonna send my son one day and he's gonna crush your head. He's gonna take the, the keys to shame and pain and unforgiveness and death and hail, hell and the grave. And anybody who would receive this baby as if he was born for them could experience freedom from their sin, eternal life, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. The best way I, I show you this, the best way I, I can help this make sense, I wanna give you like what this would be like in our time. So I'm gonna read this because it, it's... Um, it's a, uh, maybe it'll help you to understand the power and the impact of how big of a deal Jesus came and died and born and was born and died was. So before, um, let's just kind of engage in imaginary exercise uh, and I'll do it locally here with Florida. So here's, here's the imagination. This would be like similar to the equivalent of, imagine that in Tallahassee, Florida, ancient scrolls were uncovered that were written over a course of time between 600 and 1,000 years ago. Different authors, different languages, different parts of, of, of the world. Some were written before the discovery of America before com by Columbus. All were written before the American Revolution. But the skulls would predict that someone in our generation who would be born of the direct lineage of George Washington. And then this person would be descended from a long line of important founders of America, all, uh, all to be known from Virginia. And then the scrolls would further reveal, as we put them together, that the person would actually be, counting, be born in Hardy County in the town of Wachula, Florida. Some of you have never heard of it. That's the point. You need to go to Disney. Miraculously, his mother would be a virgin. And at the time of his birth, dignitaries from other countries would mysteriously know about him and would come to worship him and present him with gifts, believing that he was a special messenger of God. And in addition to our imaginary prophecies would also reveal that as a result of him being born, local ruling tyrants would make an attempt to murder him. It would result in the deaths of many other innocent children whose mothers would weep over their loss. But to protect this special child from the tyrants, his father would take him to another country, later bringing him back, not even having grown up with his own people. This future child would grow up to be and lead a religious revolution. Now imagine that all this came to be true in our lifetime, fulfilling the predictions of these century-old scrolls, as astronomically unlikely as that, cre uh, as that creation, pres preservation and fulfillment of these prophecies might seem, it is a fair and actually minor parallel to what would have happened in the ancient Hebrew scripture prophecies about Jesus. To bring it home, the chances of all of these happening ever, let alone with one person at one time, were against all odds, yet Jesus came. And his birth is to be celebrated all around the world. And that's what Christmas is. That's what December is. Many of you, maybe you do an Advent devotional or you do an Advent. Uh, Advent is just preparing for the, 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 your heart for, for Christmas. What I love about this whole story of one baby is God waited a long time to basically flex his supernatural muscle to unveil this story. And he didn't just send a ruler to domineer and, and be a, a, like dominant over us, but he came in the form of a baby. Why? to bring peace and goodwill. Go ahead and put Luke chapter two, verse 14 up again. Remember, this is what the baby, the birth of Jesus is all about. Glory to God in the highest is what the angel said. And on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Jesus came, not just so we could tell a cool story, but he wants to bring peace to your life. He wants goodwill for you on this side of eternity. And those, those terms we're gonna talk about more in a couple weeks, but peace and goodwill actually means less of a, an absence of war and strife, but more of peace with God and goodwill that Jesus came and stood in our place and paid our price for all of our sins and our mistakes. So the whole birth of Jesus, Christmas, as we begin to prepare for Christmas, this one baby idea, isn't about you celebrating Jesus's birthday party. It's not about us having a big birthday party on the 25th. It's about 
peace, knowing that you can have peace with God, you can have peace with yourself because of the goodwill sacrifice Jesus made on your behalf. He came to lower himself into human form so he could give us that possibility. That's what makes this baby and this life so much different than any baby that has ever been born. And as we saw on the video in the prayer, he didn't stay a baby, but we can celebrate his life. And I hope you'll take the next couple days and weeks and really, really ask the question, Jesus, what does this mean for me? What's the peace in my life that I'm missing that you have for me? What's the goodwill that I'm missing out that perhaps you want to show me? Because there's another prophecy in Isaiah and he said, this is what Jesus came to do. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, I close with this. He says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. So we don't need to worry about that. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And here's the best part. And of his greatness, of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. To his government and his reign, there will be no end. Peace and goodwill. God wants you to have peace. He wants you to have goodwill. And it starts with you receiving Jesus, receiving him as a gift and acknowledging that this isn't just a historical figure and it's not just a belief system, but he actually wants to have a personal relationship with you where he wipes away all the sin and you get to experience a new birth, a new identity. You become the best version of yourself with his help and he will walk with you all the days of your life. And if you don't know that or you don't have that, I'm gonna say a simple prayer and you can just say in your heart or your mind, that's me, Lord, I, 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 want, I want that. This Christmas, I want to not just believe in Jesus, I want to not know the story, but I want to receive him. I wanna know that this is for me. Again, I, I wanna mention, as I close, we have that reading plan. I would encourage you to go into the Bible. It's just four chapters, Luke 1 and 2, Matthew 1 and 2, but we put one together that's kind of chronological and I hope it will bless you this week. You can find it on social media or on our app. Let's close in prayer. If you're here and, and, and today, maybe you're online or, or you're in person, you just say, man, I, I needed this reminder. Uh, I, I need to make room. I wanna receive Jesus in my life. Would you just slip your hand up and put it down real quick, just between you and God saying, I need to thank you. I see those hands, God bless you. I'm just gonna pray for you. And, and just in your heart, just say, God, just, you, God knows that this is between you and him. Say, this is for me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every hand that went up, even virtually. God, I pray that this wouldn't just be a story we believe in. It wouldn't just be something that we, we reference, but God, would you make it real to us once again? Jesus, we wanna receive you into our life. We wanna have you as a part of our story. We, we don't want this just to be about a, a birthday party, but God, remind us of your peace that you have for us, the goodwill that, you, that we get to experience because Jesus came to be with us. Thank you for sending yourself, your son, to be one baby who would change wor the world forever. And while he came for all people, God, he's only as good for us as our ability to receive him and open our hearts to him. And so God, help us to experience all of God, all of Jesus. Help us experience all that you have for us this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen.